Welcome to the Rochester Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. We believe that there is no message more life-changing and more relevant than the gospel. It is our earnest prayer that you will be enriched as a disciple and that you will hear the good news today. Acts chapter 8 begins by telling us that following the death of Stephen, although the apostles remain in Jerusalem, the rest of the church, what, what sometimes I will call ordinary Christians, not the apostles, although the more I study, the more I'm sure that the apostles were also quite ordinary, insomuch as any of us could be described as ordinary if we are in Christ. The apostles remain in Jerusalem, but the rest of the church, the ordinary church, they are scattered from Jerusalem to the surrounding area. They go into Judea, they go more broadly into Samaria, and even into the ends of the earth, as it said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 would happen. And in the first half of chapter 8, we see that Philip, you remember we talked about Stephen last week? Stephen last week was one of the seven that was chosen to serve the widows. Philip is another one of those seven. Philip goes and preaches in Samaria. Now that sentence, even when I wrote it, I thought, well, that kind of sneaks up on you. Because it it reads real easy. But you need to understand how crazy that is. That by the Spirit, he goes and preaches in Samaria. You know who lives in Samaria? Samaritans, that's right. Y'all are doing well. We're one for one today. If you remember, there has not been the best relationship between God's people Israel and the Samaritans. And so that Philip goes and preaches to the Samaritans is a little interesting to begin with. But then that he finds great success is even more noteworthy. He's having a little bit of a revival in Samaria. Only I guess they weren't there the first time. So this is, I mean, it's finding great success. I guess it's not a revival, it's just a vival. Um, he's, 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 He's doing great. And talk about your resume boosters. I mean, like, you want to be the the preacher on his resume that can be like, and I led that uh, great prayer meeting in Samaria. That sets you apart from everyone else. Well, he's there. And the moment he's there, God tells him to leave. So I want us to start with that in mind. I want us to read the Word of God together. So it's our custom to honor and, and, and give respect to the authority of Scripture by standing when we read the Word of God. So if you can and you're able, please stand. From Acts chapter 8, the Bible says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. 
Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who's the prophet talking about himself? Talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Who can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip on his way. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news about Jesus, your son. And we pray that we live every moment in light of that gospel. God, I pray that you will touch hearts today with the message of the gospel. Speak now, Father, for your children are listening. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. You may be seated. Today what I hope to do is I want to, as we look at this text, I want to find something that can instruct us ordinary Christians to live on mission in the gospel. How as the people following the Holy Spirit, we live as a community of gospel. Now, there's a lot that goes on in this text, and I'm going to break it down pretty simply, uh, straightforward. Not because I think you don't understand, because I think it will be good for us to hear it. Okay? First off, we see that the first thing that happens is that the Spirit calls him. Okay, the Spirit calls Philip. That's at the very beginning in in verse 26. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip. Okay, we don't get any further than that before I have this point. Last week we talked about Stephen. Today we follow the steps of another disciple, Philip. But Philip in this story is not really the protagonist. It's really the angel that we meet first. Who orders Philip around. And as a matter of fact, he orders him to do an absurd thing. So I want you to look. There's the calling spirit, and then he gives him an absurd command. He says, I want you to go south to the road, the desert road. That means literally the wilderness road, the abandoned road. The no one travels this road. The this is where no one is road. And I want you to be there in the middle of the day. It goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Philip is sent to head out onto some deserted road in the middle of the day. And I need you to think of the humility this would take. You don't understand. Uh, You may have heard of this prayer meeting I led up in Samaria. Kind of a big deal. I'm pretty successful. You know what I am? I'm your big crowd guy. You give me a crowd, I can speak to the crowd. I'm I'm the onstage guy, but... mm, Back roads in the middle of nowhere, why don't you ask one of the other guys? They can, they'll do that for you. That's not what he does. He goes wherever God calls. I want to be wherever God calls. 
Because in addition to the calling spirit and the absurd command, we have the, the obedient disciple. You see, here's the secret to Philip's first steps as a successful and faithful disciple. He shows up. That's the first step. You want to be a successful disciple, show up. When God says go, go. Show up. What we do in our bodies matters. Okay, this isn't simply a head kind of faith where I have to know all the right things. This is a honor God with your whole person. Right? Present, Romans 12, 1, if I remember it correctly, says present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Show up. When God says go, we step and go. That's what we do. That's what faithful disciples do. The first thing Philip does really well is he shows up. All right? He doesn't actually even speak. If you noticed that. He's compliant and goes without a complaint, without anything. He just goes. And as a matter of fact, throughout the book of Acts, Philip is always going. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead to verse 40, right after where we stopped our reading. Look at what it says in chapter 8 and verse 40. It says, Philip, however, appeared to Azotus and tra- appeared in Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel. Philip baptizes this guy. The guy comes up out of the water and he's like, all right, I'm feeling great. Where'd you go? Because God's Spirit has Philip going somewhere else. And he's like, all right, let's go. And then he says, the text literally says he ends up at Azotus. You ever ended up somewhere? I think that every time, I, every time I'm at Waffle House. Now, y'all don't have as many of those up here. But down south, Waffle, you don't go to Waffle House. You end up at Waffle House. All right? Like, like you never set out going, let's try that Waffle House out. They have great waffles. It's, if you've never been to a Waffle House, Jim Gaffigan said it best. Like, imagine a truck stop bathroom that sells waffles. Like, that's, it's, it's like that inside. And I've never been in a Waffle House where there wasn't also a fist fight. All right? But, like, I, I, you just end up, so he ends up somewhere. Philip is like, all right, let's go. God, you say it's time to go. I'm going to go. That's what Philip does. By the time we get to Acts 21, we go to Philip's house and we find out that they say it's the house of, and these are awesome words, Philip the evangelist. What's Philip known for? That dude's going to go. You give him someone to go and somewhere to preach and someone to preach to, and he's saying yes. He'll ask you the directions on the way because he will always show up and go. Okay, so we've got God gives, there's the calling spirit, there's the absurd command, there's the obedient disciple. How about this? Next thing in the story is a providential encounter. There is a providential encounter. Okay, so he goes up, he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Do you know that God arranges meetings? Now, Church, I am fascinated by those of you who believe in God's sovereignty and God's meticulous providence. You see, I believe in God's sovereignty, but honestly, I struggle with meticulous providence quite a bit. In fact, if I'm being really honest, I kind of need God not to be quite in charge of everything. 
I need there to be some chaos and I need there to be some unanswered questions in order to make room enough for, I think, me to believe. Because I don't, my spirit doesn't rest easy with a child getting leukemia and that being God's plan. My spirit doesn't rest easy with a holocaust that is God's plan. I'm okay. I believe in a God who can work through everything. But that's not the same thing as saying I believe in a God who causes everything. And, and, and yet, I want to be sure. I'm not telling you to believe God causes everything that happens. I'm not telling you to believe that. I, have, I, I don't think I can believe that. But what I can believe is that I know for certain that God does arrange some things. That God steps into this world and, and, and he, he, he sets up encounters that we have that are the direct will of God and the direct result of God's involvement and intervention in this world and in our lives. And there are moments that are pivotal opportunities, that are life-changing moments. Thin spaces where heaven and earth meet because God arranged the meeting. If you, if you struggle with that point, God arranges the meeting. So I want, how do you think we all ended up here today? Because most of y'all, y'all got some pretty major differences between most everyone else in here. And I can't think of any reason why this group of people all gets together and actually loves each other besides the fact that God arranges meetings. You see, I, I, I think we have to realize that this is what happens. We, what could possibly bring all of us together other than the Spirit of God? Okay, so, so we have the arranged meeting. Next, let's go with the exotic stranger. Who's the meeting with? Ethiopian eunuch. Boy, there's two words. Here's what you're going to love. The first thing I'm going to tell you is that neither of those words means exactly what you think they mean. Because when your Bible uses the word Ethiopian, it doesn't mean from the region that we currently call Ethiopia today. Now, that's included, but it's a much larger region. It's the southern Nile region of Africa, but this would be a pretty big kingdom. Okay, when we talk about Ethiopia, we don't necessarily mean the small country we think today. We mean a much larger portion of Africa, but this man is from there. And when it says eunuch, it doesn't necessarily mean he has to be a eunuch. Um, that word would also be used of people uh, who uh, could have been impotent or in other ways was considered safe to be around the queen. That there's no fear that he will be any threat to the queen that he serves. What we do know... I. What you better know is that you just met the first African Christian by the time we're done with this. And so he meets this guy. Now, now, now Ethiopians would have stood out in Judea. Think of how he would be dressed. Think of the color of his skin. This man would have been something to behold. 
He's in charge of the queen's treasury. He is an official with a lot of influence and a lot of money. If you're wondering about how much money he happens to have on his person, in his possession, a scroll of Isaiah. Those were certainly not cheap. First off, it has to be handwritten. Yeah, he didn't eBay this. He's he's got a scroll of Isaiah. Oh, by the way, he's sitting in his personal chariot, reading it, a chariot that's big enough for when he gets asked a question to do what? Come on up in here with me. He's got enough room for someone to sit in there with him and them to study this scroll. He's, He's wealthy. There's a difference between rich and wealthy. All right? I'm just... Football players are rich. Football team owners are wealthy. Because they own all the other rich people. All right, that's scary. He's, he's wealthy. All right, very powerful and influential. He's also, we find out, gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now, he might be a Jew, but it's more likely he's a proselyte. Either way, he's seeking God. He's an earnest inquirer who reaches out to God. And what we're going to find is he is graciously included. And he's reading from Isaiah. What a book to choose, Isaiah. That's one of the longer books. Maybe, maybe he's drawn to Isaiah because in Isaiah 56, it says to the eunuchs that they're going to receive something more valuable than sons and daughters when they are accepted into the kingdom. Now that's good news. And so he's interested in learning a little more about this. Okay, so the exotic stranger, but the exotic stranger is now reading the living word. Philip asks a simple question. God tells him to go stand near the chariot. He goes, and here's the guy reading, and immediately asks one question. This is great. One question. You understand what you're reading? Boy, what a great question. You ever just, hey, what you reading there? Tell me about it. You understand what you're reading? That's all he has to ask him. And the Ethiopian's response is honest. How can I possibly understand all of this? You ever felt like that reading your Bible? Yeah, okay, me too. All right, the Ethiopian's super honest. How can I understand it unless someone explains it to me? Now, I need you to understand this. God has given the Ethiopian two great gifts. First, God has given the Ethiopian Scripture. I hope you know how great a gift you have in your Bible. God has given the Ethiopian Scripture. Second thing, a great gift that God has given the Ethiopian is a teacher. God gave him Scripture, and then God sent him Philip, a teacher. So he's reading from a passage that comes from Isaiah chapter 53, a portion of Scripture that we refer to as the the story of the suffering servant. 
And here's what it says. It says that this, this servant was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. By the way, this is the same text where it talks about how he was despised and rejected. How he was, he was uh, killed and, uh, and by his stripes we are healed. Okay. I will say this. Philip is blessed because this guy's reading Isaiah 53. Imagine if he had been called to walk up to that chariot and he's reading Leviticus. Or he's reading from like Judges and he's just finished that story about, well, there's a left-handed guy who stabbed a really fat king. Good luck, Philip. Tell him Jesus from that one. There's your challenge today. But he's got instead Isaiah 53. And the guy says, who's he talking about? And Philip does the next thing. Verse, verse 35, gospel proclamation. Philip opens his mouth and began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Okay, remember I told you Philip's first step to being a faithful disciple as he showed up? Step two, he opened up. He went where God told him, and then he opened his mouth to talk about Jesus. Faithful disciples show up and open up. Okay, that's what we do because God has called us to do it. Now, it says that, G, that Philip, starting with that passage, opened up the Scriptures and explained to him all about the Messiah, all about Jesus. Now, this is important because it's actually an echo You've heard that language before that, that he opened up their eyes to the scriptures and explained to them from all of the Hebrew scriptures the truth about Jesus. Bonus points for anyone who can tell me where we've heard that. Yes, the road to Emmaus. Very nice. Luke 23. There's these disciples who are walking down the road. Jesus comes and walks with them. They say, man, we really thought Jesus was the Messiah, but he died. I don't know what's going on. And then Jesus later on decides to sit down with them, and he breaks bread with them, and their eyes are opened, and they see that it's Jesus, and he takes the Bible, and it says that opening up the Scriptures, he showed them how the Scriptures pointed to him. Philip is doing the same thing that Jesus did. You see, Philip is continuing the ministry of Jesus just like we do. We are the people who continue the ministry of Jesus opening up the Bible and talking about Jesus to everyone that we meet along the road. And then we get the immediate response. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? What prevents me from being baptized? What will stop me from being baptized? Nothing's going to keep me out of that water. Because if you've met Jesus, nothing will keep you away from him, and nothing will keep you out of that water. And so Philip takes him down in the water, he immerses him into Christ, and he brings him up, and then all of a sudden, Philip's gone, but the man goes on his way rejoicing. 
Hearing the gospel, he wants to commit himself to Christ and participate in his death, burial, and resurrection. And perhaps, just perhaps, he'll find one day that passage in Psalm 68.1 that says, Let Ethiopia hasten to stretch out her hands to God. Now that's a sermon. That's a text. That's great. So how do we live as a community of the gospel in light of this text? I'm going to give you real quickly three things that I think we can learn from Philip from this text. And we've noted these, but I just want to, I just want to make sure we're clear on them. First, Philip is completely willing to be led by the Spirit. If you, want to, if you want to be a faithful disciple of Christ, you have to be completely willing to be led by the Spirit. Philip goes without complaint. Philip is the anti-Jonah. He is sent to the ends of the earth. He, remember, he went to Samaria. He goes to his enemies. He goes to places he's uncomfortable. Go stand in the middle of the desert on this road and someone important will come by. Don't worry if they don't look like you and don't talk like you and don't act like you. You got a lot to learn from them too. And he shows up willing to be with anyone. Philip is no respecter of persons in terms of what makes him comfortable. We must be a community that allows God to lead us. Each of us must surrender our own control and allow God to negotiate his way into our daily lives. We need to be those who are willing to follow up on a nudge from the Spirit. When you sense God saying, maybe you ought to go over there and talk to that person, go. When you sense God saying, you should get them something to eat, get them something to eat. When you sense God telling you, you should pray with them, go and pray with them. I went with my brother. We were going to go ice fishing two years ago. Which to me sounds miserable and awesome at the same time. <laughs> the problem was the weather was too warm. And in that last week, two or three trucks had fallen into the ice. And I was like, we're not going ice fishing. Neither of us are going to be good enough at it to make anything like that worth it. We're not going to get close to it. Too much risk. What do you want to do instead? And he said, let's go to Petoskey. Let's, no, let's go to Mackinac. It's February. We went because we're not from here. That's why we went. And so we go driving up. Here's the good news. You can get there by ferry, but you could go from St. Ignace because it wasn't frozen over. And so we drive up into the... Into the uh, the Upper Peninsula, and we go to St. Ignace, and then we get the, we, we're on this ferry over to, uh, or over to Mackinac. There's no one there. <laughs> and I want to tell you about Mackinac in February. Nothing's open. There are about 240 people that live on Mackinac during the winter. 237 of them were there right then. And us. And there's some great stories from that experience. I mean, everyone we met was really territorial about their work. They were like, they were sitting down with my brother, they're like, what are you doing here? 
And he's like, oh, I'm just on vacation. They were like, nope, no one comes here on vacation in February. (laughs) And we were like, we do. And they were like, well, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'm a woodworker. And he's like, you're not doing any woodwork on the island, are you? Because I do all the woodwork on the island. And my brother's like, nope, not looking to do any work. I'm just on vacation. No one comes here on vacation. What are you doing? (laughs) Nothing. Oh, here's my buddy. Come over here. Meet this guy I just met. He says he came here on vacation. That guy goes, no one comes here on vacation in February. (laughs) And we were like, well, we do. That's us. And and they're like, well, he goes, what does he do? And Jeremy goes, well, I'm a woodworker and I also uh, paint. And he goes, you're not painting anything on the island, are you? Because I do all the painting on this island. I mean, they were very territorial and standoffish. Uh, but we had fun. We're on the way back over the ferry, and we're on our way back. And get this, I see this couple in the corner, and this elderly couple, and they're crying. The man and the woman are crying. But she has pink hair. There's a woman in her 70s who has dyed her hair bright pink. And they're crying. And I look over and I see it and my brother looks over and he sees it. Now here's the deal. My brother has been to church but does not normally attend. But he looks at me and he goes, hey, you need to go over there. This is why we're here. God had arranged a meeting because I went over there and I asked them, what's going on? Why are you crying? And they told me all about how their daughter had just passed away because of cancer. And they were going back to where she lived to gather her things for the last time. And this was the first time that the mom had been able to get out of the house since their daughter had passed away four months ago. And her daughter always dyed her hair pink. And so she had dyed her hair. The first thing they did was they went and got her hair done. And it was brand new done pink so that they could go to her house, clean up everything, finish it out, and then try to move on. And I had the opportunity to pray with them, all because we were stupid enough to go to Petoskey in February. To Mackinac. (laughs) Further than Petoskey. Um, Yeah, that... Are you willing to follow the nudge? How easy would it have been to say, I'm on vacation? I'm not going to bother these people. You never know what can be going on with people. Completely willing to be led by the Spirit. Each of us should wake up every day and ask God, who am I supposed to meet today? Second thing that I see about Philip is that Philip loves people the way that God loves them. Philip has a heart that is exemplary. We first met Philip when he was doing what? Serving the widows. Making sure that everyone got enough. Philip loves people. Then we saw him going and preaching to Samaritans whom no one liked. Philip loves everyone. Even the people that don't love him back. Now, today we see him led to an Ethiopian whom he serves and teaches regardless of how different they could be. Now, this is radical love, but I want to be clear about this. Philip is not the radical. The Spirit is. And if you're following the Spirit, it's going to call you to do things that are radical. Like love your enemies. And love people you don't even know. I know you can't care about every cause in the world. There's not enough time or energy to do so. But you can always try to have empathy. 
And when someone else is telling you about what they care about, you can listen. You can always care about what God has put in front of you. Race, class, doesn't matter. He respects everyone, Jew or Gentile, Samaritan or Ethiopian. There's no prejudice here. He goes everywhere. And if you read carefully, he goes to the villages, not just the big cities. He goes to individuals, not just crowds. Because the truth is, those who are effective at reaching the many are those who care about reaching the one. How can we as a community grow in our love for people? My answer is by further understanding the gospel. Because I was unlovable. And God came to me. And welcomed me. Who am I to exclude anyone? I hope y'all believe that. Folks back home better have said amen. third thing I noticed about Philip is Philip led him to Jesus from the Scriptures. Philip is this special kind of ordinary Christian in that he has, he's both led by the Spirit and very knowledgeable of the Scriptures. Many people are one or the other. Philip is both. And I think we have to be both. I think that's a great example for us, that we, we are a people, we must be committed to studying Scripture because every time you study your Bible, you are training for evangelism. According to Luke Acts, if you read this carefully, one of the biggest needs that we have in the church is for Christian interpreters of the Old Testament. And I hope you notice how Philip does this. Notice the power of questions. Do you understand what you're reading? That's all he had to do. You don't have to be Google for God in order to go and talk to someone about Jesus. You don't have to be able to answer everything. He opens his mouth and he asks him a good question, something like, what are you reading? It's a pretty good opener. Because Philip is willing to talk about the Scripture he believes. Kenny, I want you to go ahead and bring your team up. Ultimately, being a community of the gospel means that we are not self-made. We are made by God, this community. We are empowered by God, this community. And a community of the gospel is a community that is defined not by our own works, not by our own capability, and not by our own interests. Rather, we are defined by the one who has made us and remade us. By the one who has called us and redeemed us. The one who loved us even when we chose death, even his death, even our own death. And instead of giving up on us, raised us to new life in His Son. And once we know we've encountered the living God, we can't be the same. I just, I I can't imagine that we would think the story would go like this. Young people, hear me, hear me, hear me. 
There is no way we can believe that the God of the universe has reached into your life and touched your heart and somehow you came out unchanged. Think about that. That's not going to make a small difference. That's going to be life-changing experience. That's who we are. We're the people that the Spirit of the living God dwells in us. We can't be the same. And if you don't know Him yet, then I want you to know that He is the way, and He is the truth, and He is the life. I want you to know that He loves you, and He chooses you. I want you to know that Jesus died for you, and that God raised Him to life for you, so that you can die to sin and experience new life. And we proclaim this when we participate in His death and burial and resurrection in the waters of baptism. I want you to go through that today. And if you know Him, I want you to pray to God that you can have the same spirit and fire that Philip has. That you too can help win souls to Christ. That you can find yourself ready to say, tell me where to go and I'll go. Help me open my mouth and share. Let me be led by you. Church, I want you to stand up. And I want to ask the prayer team to come up front. And we're going to say a prayer together. And after this prayer, if if you need to come forward and ask for prayers for something going on in your life, even a celebration that you have because God is moving mountains and doing things, then that's great. But if it's something you need, if you have a special prayer request on your heart, I want us to pray for it. If you don't know Christ yet, I want you to come and be baptized today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are humbled by how much you love us. We are humbled by all that you've done for us. God, I am so thankful that you do not give us our own way all the time. But that when we say no, you keep saying yes. God, I'm thankful that you keep forgiving. That you're the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and hundredth chances. God, that you're a God of radical inclusivity. That you're a God that welcomes everyone to you. That you will that none of us would be lost. God, open our mouths. God, help us to show up. Help us to open up. Help us to explain to people the faith we have and ask good questions. Help us to have the courage to follow that nudge that you give us. God, give us faith and greater faith and greater faith. May we trust you forever. And may we surrender ourselves to you always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We sincerely thank you for listening and pray that you were blessed today. To learn more about Rochester Church of Christ, to support our ministry, or to contact us with any prayer needs you may have, head over to www.rochestercoc.org. Remember, you are loved and chosen.